Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Jeff and Casey Show. Hello, and welcome to the Jeff and Casey Show, the very, very first semi-aquatic Jeff and Casey Show. This is true. I think this is probably maybe the first podcast, aquatic podcast. Do you think we're, 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 do you think we're breaking new ground? We're we're do you think we're breaking new water? Yes. Well, we're not technically on the water because, as Casey said, he would never get on the water. No, we, we are technically on that the water. We are above the water. We are maybe not in the water. Right. We're about two feet above. We are in yes. the boat. There's a boat but, going by right now. Yeah, I'm looking to the side here, and there's some they, people they, on a boat with they a like child to wave. that they're endangering. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're on the boat, but we're, we're lifted out of the water, like, by two feet or so. So hopefully this is recording. So basically what happened is, as people uh, who follow me on Twitter know, Jeff did buy the boat. There I did get an, the boat. There was an episode earlier on yeah. uh, in this season called The Wreck of the SS Ting Tangler, <laughs> where Jeff describes the fact that at his 1% house, which has a dock, he is going to buy a 1% boat so yes. that he can drive around. And he had all kinds of fantasies in his head, like... If you go back and listen to that show now, yes. right, if you go back and listen to it, you will hear him going through all kinds of these amazing machinations about, like, he's going to get the boat, and he's going to drive it here and there, and it's going to be awesome, he's going to commute with the boat, and the boat is perfect. Yes. He got the boat. Yeah, I okay. got the boat and mind you, he on did not, Friday, and he, it's Sunday. He did not go shopping. No, I bought it on boat. email. Yeah. He bought it on email, so yeah. he just, like, sent some emails around to some people who, I guess, make boats or sell boats for, like, a boat sell salesman. Sell boats, yep. And just, like, I need a boat. I don't know what he told. I don't know. What did you tell them when you said, I need a boat? I said I wanted a boat, and That's I what, 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 what was it? You know, did it literally wait. say I want? It? Hi, I'm Jeff. I want a boat. Yeah, I said I want. Here's a boat. my crayon drawing from no. the, like I, no. I want a boat. No, I said here I want a boat, and I want. I didn't want. I said I don't want anything where you go under. Like a, what does under mean? Well, like right up front there, sometimes that's enclosed and it's got a bed okay. and stuff in it. Why don't you want that? Why didn't you want that? Because. I'm never going to stay on the boat. Like okay. this is a small this is, boat's not that big. No, it's not. So it oscillates. So like getting under when it's oscillating would make you nauseous and You get seasick, do you? Almost everybody would when you don't have a horizon to look at. Okay. And so if you went under there, like maybe you get your sea legs after a long time, but like okay. I didn't want any part of that. So okay. I said I want the front to have places to sit. Okay. And that narrowed it down. So you're just like I want a straight up speedboat. Like this is not a Well, no, I just boat. said I, I just said I wanted that and then I said the weight of the thing that can lift the boat up that we're out of the water now okay. that is suspending us in the air okay. can only lift 6,000 pounds, so that okay. thing. And then he said, well, we have one boat in stock that is a 2014. 2015s are about to go away. Sell it to you cheap. Are about to come out, so I sell it okay. to you cheaply. And so I said, sure, let's do it. Okay, so this is so that, that like... he said this was the first boat he sold on email, which surprised me because I thought. Why does that surprise you? Most people are going to want to at least go see the boat that they purchase and yeah. not just be like, I don't know, send me a fucking. It is boat. bigger than it, it. It is not a big boat, but it's bigger than I thought. It is pretty big, I would say. I yeah. mean, you're you're right. It is not it is not like a, a yacht or no, anything, but no. it is it is sizable. And the thing about this boat, because now I saw you, I guess, rewinding a little bit. So yeah. you were like, okay, I got to get a license to drive this boat. Yeah, I got to get a license. But of course, you don't actually need a license, it turns no. out. All you need to do is pass a water safety course. Now, right. I haven't seen this course, but it yeah. sounded like it scared you a little because I remember yes. then on Friday, so, you were timid yeah, all well, of a sudden. Well, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, Thursday night, I'm yeah. getting the boat Friday morning, 11. Yeah. Thursday night, I'm like, fuck, I have not taken the, the water test. safety right, course. Right, right. And then we went out for Fabian's birthday. Right. So we got back at about 11. Okay. And I figured, like, right. I'm very good at taking standardized tests yes, like are. that. Yes, you are. So I'm like, I'll be fine. Okay. So I go on, and I'll just bang it out, whatever. Right. Um, and, uh, and it is true, after having 
when you do the tests, you could have passed the test simply by good test-taking technique. Because the, the tests are kind of worded, like, with a little bit of a wink and a nod, where it's Yeah, like... most of the ones, the answer is fairly... You okay. will... You'd, you'd miss a lot, but you only okay. have to pass. You don't have to get 100%. So you need to get, like, 60 or above? Yeah, or I don't 70 know, 70 or above? above what like what is the actual... I don't know. Question? We don't know. I, that's a good question. Right. Um, I guess that wasn't one of the questions. On that the wasn't one of the questions of how, how many questions much percentage do you, how, do you what, need to earn. If you burn a couple percent on yeah. that question, then you're yeah. really fine. Yes. Um, that's the that's 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 one of those questions where you're like, well, you can't answer it because if I get this question wrong, it's one percentage I can get right and wrong. What? No, the, it's seventy five percent overall, I guess. Yeah, but it, it, it changes it, the the number of the remaining questions left that you have to get right. If you get this one right yeah, or wrong, yes. Right. Okay, but that had nothing to do with the question that I asked. This was yes. not some okay, kind wait, of math me, paradox. It no. was just a question about how many percentage you need to pass the test. Which, by the way, you didn't even know. No, I didn't know. All right, so, so you took this test. So, you just but here's the problem. So I was gonna just—I was just gonna take it cold. I was just like, right. "It's fucking 11 p.m. Right. They come at 11 a.m. I'm tired because right. I've been moving." Right. And so I go in, and so what they do is they don't let you immediately take the test. Okay. The online course—you okay. have to first go through the training. Okay. Again, I can read fast. Fine, I'll bang right. this out. They don't let you advance. The t each page has a timer, oh, and the wow. timer is dependent on how much text is on the page. Okay. So at first, I will say that I feel like there's got to be a, a, a like a JavaScript like you got to be able to go in there. I and came close to be just looking at like okay. what is it doing on the timeout because it was driving. Yeah. Anyway, I w ended up instead watching. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and then <laughs> just going back and forth. So um, and some Trailer okay. Park Boys. Okay. So but right. so I'm doing that, and I was I will say, I doing the tests. They did what they were supposed to do was be like, this isn't just a goof around. This is serious. Okay. That they, they, they're like, you need to think about this. Not at this is recreational. Okay. But you can't think about it like that because this is fucking dangerous. Right. This is and what I, I was trying to tell no, you. No, no, you did, that and you podcast. did, and and the and it was actually worded well. So they'd say things like, so was mine. So was I worded mine well as well. No, no, because you you just said, hey, it's dangerous. Right, which right. is true. Which is true. There are other ways to psychologically manipulate people. Okay. And the way they used works 100% okay. on me, which is they talk about thing, what this thing, uh, propeller strikes. Okay. Which is when the propeller hits a human being in the water. Okay. And when it does hit a person, yes. they almost always die. Right. Because the propellers are like a they're blender, but fast. they're six inches. Yes. And they just saw right through you, yes. and they hit an artery, and you bleed out before you're even out of the water. Yes, that's correct. And it is horrifying. Yes. Now, the way the questions are worded, or the the way you're reading about this is they're like, here are the rules. Like, you just count all the people on the boat. When everybody gets out swimming, you count again. You count the driver. Right. You pull the key out so that nobody bumps the boat in. Right. Like, all the stupid shit. Yes. But then they're like, the way they'd phrase it is they'd be like, for those of you, for those people who are unlucky enough to have ever seen a propeller strike, right. they know that there's nothing else that is that bad. Like, they, okay. the, they, they insinuated the, okay. they didn't come out and say, like, it just cuts through muscle. They were right. just like, if you've seen this, you're not the same person. Okay. And that, in me, just changed, like, like Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. So, because something that can make you care about safety is a pretty big 
that, that that's pretty impressive because most of the time it's very difficult to get you to care about yeah, safety. Yeah, well, between that and then um, and then they had other stuff that was bad. Like, I mean, certainly I'm not I'm not a big drinker, so that's um, all. There's a huge chunk on alcohol right, stuff, like because driving. That's probably happening a lot. Out yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. When fact, I look it, when I look out at these people here, I bet at least a few of these boats I'm looking at yeah. right now are inebriated. Well, if we look at this, this boat holds 14 people. Yeah, and there are. 50 cup holders in <laughs> There this are a lot boat. of cup holders. So it's like, there are they, way more cup holders built into this than an automobile. Way they more. They know way you're out more. there drinking. They know that the only reason you went out there was to get loaded yeah. and swim around. Which is weird because, like, uh, I do I drink in, in, in fine whatever, but, like, the oscillations when you're on the water, you just heave, plus you just I feel like out. you just be a multiplier. Anyway, so yes. that was an, all that said. Like they did, there was some things. There's also some, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff about looking. You know, these it, you, there's a lot of stuff about boats that I don't have, like sailboats yes. and and, and um, uh, jet skis. Yes. That like I didn't know. Okay, might be good to know, but right. I didn't was really trivia. Like jet skis don't turn if they don't have any power. So right. most people who die on jet skis are driving towards the dock. They get scared. They let off and then turn, and then they run right into the dock at full power and kill themselves. Oh, so. okay. So I guess I would not have necessarily known that. So is what you're saying that a jet ski doesn't have a rudder? It just has a vector yes, engine? it just has a jet. that. Okay, so basically it. if the jet doesn't actually have any running, acceleration, then it's you not going to do anything. Okay. So people... Yeah, there I wouldn't are, have known that. Yeah, I, it, I, I mean, I guess if I you think about a, it, it makes good sense. But I, you know, could easily have assumed that it had a rudder. I've never really seen one. And it's close. also the thing in when you're in panicky, you let the power off, right? Yes, it's the natural reaction. Okay, so, um, so then anyway, eleven a.m. So, it, so it has this countdown. I'm doing that till three fucking a.m. Okay, all right. Finally, get it. Yeah. Um, and uh, changed man. You changed go to man. bed a changed man. Yep. But you took the test and passed at that time, or you have to take the test the next day? No, I took that. I just was like, I'm just going to fucking power, power through. through. Okay. Right, right. How many questions is this test? 75. So it's a pretty big 75 test and as far as public safety tests are mm-hmm. concerned. Because like, I feel and like I a got, driver's and, and test they, is like 20. Yeah. And so, and, at least and, in Washington State. Uh, and a lot of questions that reiterate the same safety things, the important safety things over and over again. And is this... A, is this are waterways like this I don't federal think I, or state? Who is administering this test? This test is uh, so the, the the test has federal stuff in it. They're just like everybody has this. So there are federal laws a, about waterways. And then there was a one chapter that's that was Washington all state Washington specific, and right. that changes. And I mean, you... remember this was four, five hours ish. Yes, yes. The test took a long time. Wow. Yeah. So you were up till three a.m. Wow. Stupid boat. So then I got, right. and then I drive. So I'm doing this at Rad's, right. and I go home, and I had some more stuff. So I, I get to bed at like yeah. four. Yeah. Guys showing up at, at yeah, uh, right. at eleven. Ginger shows up as the right. co-trainee. Yes, right. Because um, I wouldn't do that shit. Yeah, it's I like I, I need somebody boat, else that knows how the boat right. works. Right, exactly. Um, and also, I didn't want to hang around with a stranger that long because I get like antsy. Right. So I'm like, I have another person to kind of. Right. Plus, yeah. you don't know. He could be a boat abductor. Yeah, that's true. Like, he could yeah, be no, like, it's like the serial killer who abducts people after yes. he delivers their boat. And you just right. they disappear because he just throws them out and they sink them. Right. Exactly. They sink he throws sink in the them ocean. in the boat. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so he shows up. Ginger shows up about ten. So it's uh, it's early and I'm tired. Right. And I'm a little I'm worn out from moving. And then the boat gets here. And I'm like, okay, that's a big fucking boat. Right, like, right. I'm a little nervous about that. Right. And it's super choppy. 
Yeah, in fact, looking out here, the water just is wavy. I guess because there's well, lots of boats so, moving yeah, around. Yeah, it's the and boats. The wind That's the thing, because, like, uh, so we go out, and it's choppy. Yeah. And he's showing me all the stuff, and I'm and I'm a little, I'm, I'm frankly very overwhelmed. Right, right, point. I'm yeah. just like, okay, there's a lot of shit yeah, to Ginger remember. Said, like, Jeff she's freaking like, out. That's he's what he just said. like, there's, like, here's, you cut the battery, and then to do this, and you got to do this, and then set the trim if the thing right. starts oscillating, and I'm like, oh, god damn it. Okay. And also, we're just driving around, and it's pretty clear, it's pretty early, and Meanwhile, by the way, Ginger was like, the boat is awesome. She, like, had none oh, of this. Yeah. Ginger and Dawn like, love the she boat. She was like, let's do this. Yeah. She's like, I can drive the boat. Yeah. She's she comfortable with She has to take her test, though. She hasn't taken her test yet, yeah. so she can't drive the boat, yes. but she's going to. I well, think. you get a ticket. She can drive. She's, I'm fine with her driving the boat. Uh, Dawn drove the boat this morning. Okay. With no training. Don't say that. Yeah, well. Now you just got her in trouble. Well, anyway. She can get arrested in Washington State for driving a boat without taking it's the true. test. So, um. We'll bleep that part out. <laughs> so then, uh, we go out and he trains it. We come back in, we dock it, and it's a li- docking's a little bit of a production. Okay. Whatever. And he shows me, lifts it up, and we pull the engine out. Does the whole thing. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to boat again today. All right. I'm going to get some sleep. The engine's in there. Where's the engine at? Yeah, the engine's in under here? this thing. All this right. whole thing can lift up. And there's an engine in here. It's and a car engine. It's a just propeller. a normal there's just Volvo. A, there's like an axle and then a propeller in the back? Yeah. Or is there two propellers? One propeller in the back. One propeller. And how does it steer? Does it turn the engine, or is there a rudder? There is both a rudder and it will steer the thing. Okay. I think. All right. Yeah. So Fair enough. Uh, so, so short the next, story long. Yeah. So anyway, so then the next day we go out. Uh, and so I, I'm anxious. I'm just like, it's just like, hey, you, your first car, you, when you first start driving, there's that thing of just like anxiety of like not driving, but like going to drive. Right, like Just right, getting right. in the car yes, is yes. like, all right, you got to. So yes, yesterday we shook it off and then we came out. Okay. And I had pulled the engine up, the trim. I did. So I was watching from from yeah. the shore because I'm like I'm not getting in that thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so not. I was watching you, and it took you like five minutes even to just, to just back, back out. Yeah, you was like it was not working. And I'm like, God, this is. I'm giving it a lot of gas. I don't want to do too much, so I don't right. bash out yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh, weird. And then I pull forward to pick the, uh, Dawn and Ginger up, and it's like barely. And I'm like, all right, this is totally weird. And then we gas it, and I pull out about out to where that buoy yeah. is, and I'm like, "Oh, the fucking trim was so the it, the propeller was facing up." How is that controlled? There's a is there's that a, a button here, yeah. Okay, and you can and you can basically is it is it proportional control or it's either up or down? Like, what is the? It's proportional for two reasons. So you One, can it, you can tilt it as much as you want. Yeah, and you okay. you actually adjust the trim while you're driving. Right, to avoid because, to, to keep the boat from pitching upward. Yeah, because the boat kind of flies above the yeah, water. Yeah, I saw it. And then you turn the trim down, and it brings the nose down. And if you bring the nose down too much, it's like you hit the waves really hard. Right. Again, that's that's. I, and he's like, you can tell, and I'm like, right. I can't tell. Like, I well, just the thing try is, to keep it flat. I'm thinking about it now, and I've watched you play video games that require three dimensional control schemes, <laughs> and you shoot the ceiling. That's yeah, all you ever I, do. In I'm fact, a one of the shooter. Like the third or fourth podcast, I don't remember which one it was. Uh, like, in fact, I think if you go online, look back at season one. It's there's the one Godfather that has a quote one. that says something like, "I'm the worst gangster," or "I'm right, the gangster right. that always shoots the ceiling." That's right. like the pullout quote yeah. from it. And that was you talking about how you can never control any of these games. Right. And I feel like, to some degree, this is a good indication yeah. that probably you shouldn't be driving the well, boat. Like, I yeah. feel like there's enough feedback systems here that it you just you fair. don't have it. it Your feels, brain doesn't have it, Jeff. It feels I'm sorry. Fairly two dimensional when you're out there. Anyway, we went out with Ginger and, and on, and it was fine. 
There was, but it was like now there's waves, big waves everywhere. Yeah, it is. I mean, these aren't big waves. And for the people who are listening at home, they're not big waves. Yeah, like two but feet. But they're maybe. waves that are, are enough that if you were kind of expecting a glassy sea, yeah. you're not getting that. Yet. Yeah, and so going about, and I was going super slow. I'm yeah. not, I'm not black, I'm terrified. When you actually gunned it as you were pulling out of the dock, this, it looked like you went almost 90 degrees. It went crazy well, think about why vertical. It, and what, I was like, well, think Whoa. about why that is. The, the Why, trim was pointed straight up. Oh, so okay. It just so, so, yeah, the just, boat yeah. down. so, oh, so you did that. You didn't realize that's it. when I realized <laughs> something's fucked, right? Oh, you almost flipped your fucking boat. Well, the first it, time. It, 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 yeah. God damn it. Anyway, so then, uh, oh. then we rode around, and like I'm going 50, and I'm going slow. Yeah. And because there's just there are waves, and your guts every time you hit a wake, the whole boat and yeah. it splashes in. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is nerve. So, yeah. so uh, it was fun, but uh, just. A little nerve-wracking. Yes. Um, and then when we pulled in, uh, it went smoother than I thought for the first pull-in. Okay. It, right. We kind of pulled in. The one thing is I had the lift control in the boat, so I got, a, got in and then used the lift to raise up and then kind of hold the boat. Okay. Let it stop oscillating. Okay. And then go down and then let it center. So that worked pretty good. So now, anyway, all of this is getting to the point where today I went out at like 9 a.m. in the yes, morning. Yes, And it was like... There's no boats. And right. you really don't think about the fact that most of the waves in a closed uh, body of water is going to it start from, from a boat. Yeah. Like maybe some from wind. Yeah. But the big shit is yeah. like all the boats going. And so it was like I went very fast today and it felt safer than it did yesterday okay. at 15 because it was just like you're just driving. Well, and there's not much to hit. If yeah, and so we drove around good. Mercer and all that. So it's, it was, Now, is it was there nice. anything out here that you have to avoid? Like, are there shallow rock areas that you'll just No, the nice thing on? about Lake Washington it's pretty, is it's, it's pretty it's easy deep. to understand. Okay. Yeah, it's deep water. I mean, they have these little buoys out here that, like, you're supposed to go slow. But even then, um, it's eight feet right at the end of the dock. So it's deep water. Well, so um, anyway... Long story short is no, this short, is an aquatic. Short story long yes. is I'm like, I'm not getting on the boat. You're not getting but on the boat. But then I was today, I was like, wait, I could get on the boat while it is in dry dock, right. basically. It, yeah, or this is dock. wet dock, I guess, technically, because there, there no, is... No dry, we're out of the water. No, I, there so is a wet I, dock where I you're I believe floating. dry dock actually means it's not touching the water, though. And this is touching the water still. We're the not... bottom of the boat is touching the water. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought we were completely out. I don't think so. I mean, maybe, but I don't think so. I think you're still getting lapped. Well, there's a little okay. lapping, like a cat at milk. If you will, yeah, that's right. Um, so basically, I I am sitting in the boat now. Yes, the boat is is thankfully suspended by the lift, which means we we're not going to get rocking. seasick because it's not rocking back and forth. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty nice. Yes, um, and Jeff is sitting across from me, and we have plugged in to some kind of outlet that is attached to your dock. Yes, so there's some kind of GFI shit going on here. Like, how well, is this not? It's like it's like insulated from well, the water. Well, I looked at this. Myself, so okay. so there's a solar panel on the lift okay. that is like is the thing that helps raise up and down. Obviously, we're in shade in Washington yeah. most of the time, yeah. so it looks like they've supplemented it okay. with a long ass extension cord. Okay, that does not look. It looks maybe safe. waterproof, but maybe? that's about it. It yeah. dips in the water if you notice. Oh man, the yellow. All right. Um, so we're about to short out all our electric equipment. If this podcast gets cut short, you know what happens. I saw a huge fish, though, yesterday. Okay. When we were parking the boat. Yes. A, a huge, like... Yes. I assume it was a salmon in okay. these waters. All right. I have no idea. But, um, yeah. Now I need... So... so You're going to go fishing? I fished a lot when I was little, and I've never fished again. I think I would like... 
to catch a fish, I would not like to clean it or do anything else. You were saying that you can outsource that, though, right? That there's people on the yeah. docks who will clean it for you if, if you, you find them? It. Yeah, but then I have to... So the, here's the other situation that's upcoming. Okay. Docking on a non-lift... Uh, means you, you have to actually dock. You have to put yeah. the little scoochers out. Yes. The fenders. Do you have those? I have three scoochers. Okay. And you have to go up to the dock... And, and then tie so you off, and, and I'm not yeah. that all... Do you know how to tie a knot? Do you no. know any nautical knots at all? Well, I had to for the thing, but I don't remember any Fuck. of Fuck. I just paged right. in and right back out. Okay. Um, all right. I know how to do the things on the little on the little metal thingies. All right. Well, so I don't know what So this... anyway, oh, but the, oh, here's the point of that is, so I could dock and get the fish, but more importantly, what's going to happen before the fish thing, because honestly, fish thing means a license, a whole bunch of shit. You got to get a license to night... fish off your own dock? You think there's an exemption? I That'd don't know. be great. How the fuck um, should I know, dude? I don't know nautical things. But but I was thinking about this: is if we did if we did the the late night fishing. What? Late night fishing. What does that mean? It means then you don't need a license because it's late at night. No one's going to be out checking the action. But and, no one's out checking the action now. What is that? What are you talking well, about? Well, I think that someone would check the action. They told me all. All there's a lot of people. A lot of talk in the in the safety manual about people checking your action, where they're like. You have to show them a bunch of stuff. Wait. Like, I have a whole bunch of... I had to buy a whole bunch of life, life preservers. Yes. Oh, here's something kind of awesome. Okay. You have to have a life preserver for per, per person on the boat. Okay. No one... No one wears life preservers. Right. Like, if we... Every boat... Like, look there, right there. Not, not one of those three people have a life preserver on. Yeah, right? nobody seems to want to wear a life preserver. No one wears a life preserver. Why are they called life preservers, anyway? Uh, I assume they preserve life, but... When I mean, you so go in, they, but the point is, if you fall out of the boat, you you definitely you're going to be disoriented because even at a slow speed is a pretty fast. It's going to okay. hurt. It's going to knock the wind out of you, probably. So, is the goal of a life preserver to keep you floating if you get knocked unconscious? Is yes. that the idea? Yes. Because normally a human doesn't have much trouble floating, even for like an hour. Although at some panic point, and, okay. and, yeah, like. I don't think I I should try it. I, I mean, I was swimming out on the edge of the dock the other day, and I and, and I'm not a strong swimmer. No, and so um, the uh, I I I'm yeah, I'm sure you could. I just I okay. think people panic and fuck themselves. I think I know I my I notice when I'm swimming around that I get very sh- I'm not breathing because it enough. seems I feel like most of the problem like with a boat wreck is either you just got killed by incidental like the yes. boat hit me and killed me or whatever. Or you wrecked somewhere that no one's going to find you. In which case, a life preserver just means you get to experience your demise much longer than you would have otherwise. Like, yeah, yeah, I got to float out in the middle of the ocean with nobody finding me for an additional three days. Thanks, life preserver. That was great. Yeah, the ocean ones come with, like, GPS and stuff. Okay. See, that is good. That seems like a worthwhile thing to me. But the funny thing about these life preservers here is since they... Everyone knows you're not going to wear them. Right. But you have to have them. Right. So they make life preservers. Right, yes. That are like wicked thin. Right. And like stack. Yeah, it's into like the, the European sponge. Space. It starts off paper thin and then, you know, expands with the I water. I think or they're something. just like this wouldn't preserve n- no life. Right. No life would be preserved. We should test it. Let's test one of these life preservers. Oh, that's a good idea. As one of our Jeff and Casey show science specials. That's right. And we could see can it support a person or do you just fucking but, go straight underwater? But now. So I got the boat, 
And now the boats, I feel better about the boat today after the ride today. What, what does that mean? Oh, because it was glassy. Because it was glassy, it's like, oh, okay. I'll just go out when it's not crazy. Okay. And the other thing is docking when there are big waves like this is a pain in the ass because the yeah, boat's much harder, yeah. But then this action oh, I saw God right across it. the All way right. from me. Yeah. There's right, two people we with... might as well get into this. All right, so here's the thing. Yeah. As everyone knows who listened to the wreck of the SS Tangler, I think it's fucking stupid for Jeff to get a boat. Because no. Jeff has crashed his car into the side of a building before. Yeah. So as far as I'm no, concerned, that should immediately disqualify you from ever exploring other means of transportation. Like, no. if you already can't manage a car, which is, like, the most straightforward thing, like, why are you getting in a boat? Okay, why are you even adding to the possible set of things no, you can it's wreck? Good. When we know that you already wrecked the most basic one. Because you just fall out and splash. No. See, that's, this is the thing. You always say that. And in fact, we're going to get into another time when you're going to say that because this is what, we're, okay. this is what you told me before yeah, like, a couple of days ago when we talked about it. So Jeff, when, we, when he moves here, okay, he notices that people at these docks, some of them have seaplanes. They don't even have right? boats. They have planes. They, well, they also have boats, yeah. but they, they have boats and planes. Yeah. So basically what they do is they just pull a little plane up to where they would dock their yeah. boat, and they just tie that shit off, and then now they've got a little plane that they can launch and fly God knows where. I don't know where they're going in these things, right? They're little, like, Cessna-looking things with Bay. pontoons. Yeah. So they're not, like, pretty no. particularly, like, long-flight-looking aircraft. No, no, no. They're close. But uh, anyway... And they're cheap. I already looked online. They're way cheaper yeah, than the boat. Cheap. Oh, yeah. yeah. Planes are super cheap because they're yeah. fucking crap. They're just like these little cardboard things you get in. I mean, yeah, I don't have you ever to... been in a small plane. No. But like a lot of these small planes... I wouldn't they get in feel... a small plane. You know, you know like those little things that you buy in the store that like, uh, you know, kids buy, they're flat-packed. You take it out, you stick the wing through like a punch-out <laughs> hole, and you yeah. throw it. Uh -huh. If that you get worked. in a small plane, it feels a lot like that. That really? is what, like, you really? open the door, and it's, like, a wafer thin. Because, I mean, the whole thing is meant to be light, right. those small planes, because the engine doesn't have any fucking thrust, right? It's not a jet. Right. It's a propeller. So it's, like, and it's a weak-ass propeller. Yes. So they only you, go, like, 40 miles an hour. They don't go fast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's worthless. This isn't like a, a jet. It's slower than the goddamn boat, is my point. Is A, right? Yeah, but, no, but no choppy chop. Okay, so anyway, oh, you don't think there's choppy chop. Well, Dude, once you're wind, in the air, the wind no can shot. fucking slam a Cessna up oh. and down several feet like it was you're nothing. You're ruining this for me. Have you ever felt? Have you ever felt turbulence in a commercial airplane? Yeah. Imagine what that feels like when the object isn't several tons, but is instead like 500 pounds. Yeah, that's true. Okay, okay. minus okay. your weight. Oh yeah, I give that. All right? Yeah. All right, it is like. It will. If, okay, so if you went through some of that turbulence, it would now, probably, you've been in small planes. I you've have flown around. Before. Not that small though. Yeah. I've never actually flown Didn't you fly in. to Oregon down to the IF thing yes, once? Yes, uh, yeah. back. Yeah. I flew back from Oregon uh, in, a, uh, in a Mooney. Okay. Which is actually a significantly better plane than what you would probably be okay. getting. Like a Mooney is like a, real, is a, is a more a bulky with a bigger propeller okay. than like a Cessna. Plane. And it has pontoons? No, it's a... Well, it can't be better than like one can go on water... I, I don't mean and better what? in the sense of Jeff's imagination. I mean better no. in the sense of, like, it's a sturdier... It, it, it could handle probably more uh, sort of uh, inclement air situations. I, oh, okay, I don't I know what you want to say, right? Yeah. But it was it was a two-seater pilot-wise as well, whereas, like, the jankiest fucking planes often did you, have... Did a, you sit in the front? Yes. Did you get to steer at all? Uh, I don't remember if I actually ever steered at all. Because I'm pretty serious about that sort of shit, so yeah. I would not be steering unless right. there was a reason for me to be steering. But I, <laughs> it is true that I had the control stick, and uh, Ron. The, this was with Ron Gilbert for right. people who know him. He's the guy who made Secret Monkey Island. 
Um, so if Ron had a heart attack, you take control. If, if something happened to Ron for some reason, he has a yeah. stroke. I don't know what. Ha- not much is probably going to happen to you up there, but you know, let's well, say he that did it Monkey did. Island. So if, for example, he had a heart att- a heart attack that couldn't be solved without a monkey bone. <laughs> if it was an adventure if, game if, puzzle. Yeah, you did, yeah it's like, an adventure game puzzle. Of course, if, if it was an adventure game, I wouldn't be able to just steer the rudder. It would be some kind of ridiculous true. thing. Although oh, yeah. maybe it would, because the, you know how adventure games, when they started well, you'd getting, have to find the steering wheel in the back somewhere. Right. It's, and it's no, it'd locked. be a bunch of stuff that you'd so, put together to right. make a steering wheel. But no, what I was going to say is, uh, uh, like, Secret of Monkey Island was not guilty of this. Yeah, that's But true. once they got up to games like Full Throttle, they absolutely had yeah. the like world's worst shitty games microprogrammed in Scum, right. Right? right? So like if it was one of those, it would be like a piloting mini game. But of course, there's no 3D in any of their engines really. So it would be like, well, I guess there was in Grim Fandango, but not for the environment. So it would basically be like, you know, a, a 2D horizon that kind of <laughs> moves up and down and then kind of tilts like by swapping in a new yeah, image. Right. And you'd like be like pushing the stick back and forth through three sprite I positions. I never really you know? thought about that. That was terrible. running through scum. But yeah, you're right. I never thought about that. Yeah. So all the stuff back then, this, this was kind of a funny thing that happened uh, in those days, if you think about it. So uh, it, the lineage, right? It started with Infocom. And they had an interpreter, right, right, that they wrote everything in for, they, you know, it's called Z-Machine now, if you look back. I don't mm-hmm. think, it, I don't know that it was called that then. I think that may have been a re- retroactive thing. Have uh, you written but, anything in that before? Well, nobody writes anything in Z-Machine. No, no, but right in the... You, you write uh, it in Inform? Form. Uh, right. I've never written something real, but I, right. I do, I have programmed in Inform 6. So there was a thing that they switched from Inform 6 to Inform 7. Is it a good language? Does it like, is it, is it, because you could do that mostly functional style so that it was impossible to make things that didn't We're getting off the rails really quickly here, but, uh, so what uh, I can say, when are we, that's a good point. We're not on the, we're not on the ground. We can go any direction. There's no lines, Okay, so basically, uh, there's, to give a little bit of perspective here, I'll go through the whole thing since we're the, now this, this, uh, suddenly our topic about, our our podcast about boats has become a podcast about, Mm Mm-hmm. Interactive fiction, quote unquote, programming languages. Through airplanes. The funny thing about calling it interactive fiction is none of the fiction in any of these games was ever interactive. The fiction That's was true. always fixed, <laughs> right. and the puzzles were interactive. Right. Right. The the the, envir- the object system was interactive. Right. The fiction was completely uninteractive, with the possible exception of dialogue trees. Although most of the time the dialogue trees were also 100% fixed. It didn't matter what you picked. That's amazing. You just got a result, and then right. you could go back and pick a different one, and you get the different result. But there was never like consequences to having yes, said right. these things. Right. Limited circumstances, yes, but most of the time, no. Uh, so anyway, in these, in these languages, so when Infocom started out, basically I, I, my understanding was that part of the reason for these uh, having a, a, a virtual machine at that time was they were trying to insulate themselves from what they saw as a dramatically wide set of platforms they were oh, trying to right. ship on, right? CPM and... Because um, yeah. there's just so many yeah. out there. And they did legitimately run on a much wider platform base than pretty much anyone today really thinks about. Like, yeah. they were running on fucking deck rainbows and vaxes and stuff, and then also, like, PCs and Atari STs and C64s right, and everything, right. like... Throughout a, a wide span of time, they just shipped on all this shit. So you might argue that it was a good idea. You might argue that it was just dumb because you should have done cross-platform program where you just had a few output functions, you compile right. thing, and it did come back to bite them in the ass a few times, blah, blah, blah. But point being, what they ended up doing was they created a virtual machine that could do some limited set of things, and it involved uh, some stuff that was particularly germane to what they were doing, like compressing strings and stuff so they could fit stuff yeah. in there. But right? that's These sorts of well, things, I'm more right? curious about the... So, what they did is they would compile their adventures down into this language, but that was a moving target thing. 
So even though today we think of it as like Z machine, that's kind of like an abstract right. concept, like it's a Z machine. There was no Z machine. What there actually was was a set of revisions to the interpreter right. and the language tools and whatever the fuck that they were using that like progressively moved forwards. Nowadays, what people have done, and I don't necessarily know why they did this, but nowadays what people have done is they basically reverse engineered the Z machine stuff over a time period. So they go, okay. okay, you know, here's a rough category of games they shipped that could all run on the same VM. Here's the stuff that changed here. Here's the stuff that changed here. And they've kind of made interpreters that can run a wide range of slightly different Z machine formats. Do they have ones that right? run on JavaScript and stuff, so you can just run a Z machine and download? You mean like a cross... Like a, like a, a binary translator that goes like Z machine to Java. Yeah, if you could just like drop a thing onto a. There just, are like Z machine interpreters that have been compiled in Java, but that's not the problem. No, that I mean that runs your, in the browser. Yeah. So there probably are ones that are like a JavaScript implementation of Z machine, yeah. but I don't think there are any things that are binary translation of Z machine to JavaScript. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't care. About but you I could, just meant, do, I just you could do it. Playing, I just don't know anything. I, bet, I just meant, can you play the old games? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, blah blah blah. Basically, what happened is uh, people then decided to make languages that would compile down to these that are. I I don't know because I wasn't there, obviously. Right. But I believe they are vastly more powerful now than Infocom ever had when they were making their games. Meaning, Inform 6 has a fuck ton more tools in it for writing these games than anything that Infocom actually used to actually make any games. And like MySQL. To the best of my knowledge. Right. MySQL? Well, I would assume they have database stuff in there now. They no. just like, oh, they haven't thrown that in yeah. there? Okay. Well, there's a reason. There's a very good reason for that, actually. Um, and the reason for that is that most of the stuff that you do in uh, like a language like Inform 6 is pretty ill-fitted to databases. There's a whole database dichotomy thing, right? Like databases versus uh, mm -hmm. pointers. Like there's right. this whole thing where like, you know, there's this constant tension of the old school relational database way where it's slow to crawl pointers right. if you can't express them as joins and things like this right. versus the C way where it's really fast to, to walk a chain of 30 pointers. That's like no big deal. Databases hate that shit. And right. they, they came up with all this shit stored procedures to like walk it on the query. Side. Like it's just a mess. So that abstraction doesn't work particularly well there. So what inform is mostly based around is more like you could think of it more like lispy sorts of triggery sorts of things, mm -hmm. almost like small talky okay. in a way, which I say that not ever having actually programmed small talk. Like I read a book on small right. talk, which is not the same as programming small talk, but it's got a lot of stuff like triggering, messages, like lots of pointery Does it have stuff. Built in inventory control and all that. Yeah, and, and so then what they do is they have, they ship a standard library. Uh, right, which is basically like here's a bunch of things that you probably want to be able to do rooms and objects and right. things in a, in a standard way that are you know convenient, and you can just tie into all that, but you don't actually have to. Right. So you can't actually reimplement all that stuff yourself if you wanted to. But probably at that point, you're not really making right. an interactive fiction title in the traditional sense because if you're talking about the traditional sense where it's like I pick up objects, I use them on shit, I walk to rooms or descriptions, and the AIs quote unquote are just like there's a person in this room. Right. Um, that is all kind of programmed for you in a, in a convenient little layer. Now, and in Form 7, right. so they went, that was 6. In Form 7, what they did is they tried to open it up. Uh, there's a guy, Graham Nelson, I think is his name, okay. who did a lot of this in Form, like making, making good tools to, to do these comp complex things. He, I guess, took it upon himself, because I guess he's always sort of taken it upon himself, 
to try to like move that forward a little bit and make it more accessible to writers instead okay. of programmers. All right. So Inform 7 is full banana cakes. It doesn't it doesn't look like a programming language. It looks like English. Okay. Yeah. So you say shit yeah. like there is a dock and the dock has a boat on it and shit like this. So and you prologue-ish? You learn like, is it's prologue-ish and it tries to use Englishy grammar. Oh uh, boy. And I don't know how well that ended up working out. My guess is probably not that well, yeah. but I've never really played with it because I wouldn't ever care about that feature. Yeah. But I don't know if there were some people who actually were enabled by that because now they could, even though maybe it's not so convenient, Maybe that breaks down some barriers to people who like are scared of curly braces I don't and shit. Think, yeah, you know, but I don't, I, and I don't know. I, I have just, no idea. I mean, I have a. We could save that. That's actually an interesting. And Sean topic Barrett's of really about Sean Barrett's really the person to ask about because this, he's yeah. more serious about interactive. Well, not yeah. anymore, but he was. Was right. Uh, and he's the one. I mean, he's written interactive exercises. He's written good interactive exercises. In fact, people who know Sean from the podcast loosely, if you've never played a game called The Weapon. Which is a, it's a pretty interesting interactive fiction title, and it works a little bit differently than most interactive fiction titles do. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. And so he actually has written stuff in those mm. tools for real. And I've only ever looked at them. I've never actually tried right. to make a game or anything in them. So anyway, that so anyway, some, they started adding graphics. So in, that well, okay. So that that was a little bit in the, in the history of this stuff. It's mostly um, by the way, the history of this stuff. You can read about this. Uh, Sean will certainly tweet it because he sends me these links all the time right, that right, guy yes. who writes those there's incredibly a guy who writes a great detailed, history guy. and like yeah, yeah, yeah. it is it literally sucks me in for hours yeah, he's great he's amazingly detailed of like here's the history of sarah sierra online for example here's this and if i the remember real cross i will of like try, the people that go if yeah. i remember i'll try to post a link maybe on the page yeah. or something they're fantastic uh, but there if is a guy about early yeah games. he's like an early gaming historian yeah. like yeah. a history of gaming historian and most and he takes it as seriously as a historian he takes he's it not pretty like, seriously uh, like, it's maybe not as serious as like you know the cambridge history of yes. japan or something right. right but like as far as gaming journalism goes it's, it's like yeah. pretty hardcore and like he actually seems to try and get like real references for stuff yeah. so it's pretty impressive if you go on there and he did a great uh, three or four article series on Infocom that you should definitely read yeah. if you're interested in this stuff. But anyway, yeah. Speaking of very low bits for a minute, yeah. Just a quick segue. Did you change that to 16 bit? No, it's okay. fine, and it should be fine up to about an hour. All right, okay. So we've we got about we got about 20 minutes okay, left before perfect. this thing bottoms out. Yeah. So anyway, uh, basically what happened is, and and I lived through this, so I'm not saying mm -hmm. this is the history. This is like my life, right? right? Because I'm a child, and I uh, my <laughs> first experience with Infocom is before they existed. Yeah. So I actually played as like a fucking three-year-old or something. Yeah. I played like uh, on The first my... thing I ever played. I mean, the first thing I ever did on a computer was play Deadline. Like, yeah, but that's yeah. way later. No, no, I understand. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, that's the first thing I, on a, on a I should say, on a on IBM a PC. PC. Yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah. I had, my dad worked for Digital Equipment Corporation. Ah, I see. So we had like a VT, you had a deck a VT something, ah. and I don't remember which kind it was. I don't remember if it was like a VT three hundred or and something. And you could like use this. your dad's login. But um, well, I mean, I'm fucking three. I ain't gonna log into shit, right? right. But uh, so he uh, would sort of like play adventure. Right. Which was not in Vokami. Mm -hmm. the, the old, right. I think it's Scott Adams. Yeah. I think it was the Scott Adams adventure. Mm. or with the, I don't think it was Crowther and Woods. Anyway, uh, yeah. Scott Adams, that's the wrong name. I think that's uh, I can't remember this, again, like I was so tiny at this time. I can't remember what it is. I don't know if it was Crowther and Woods. It might have been. I, 
don't think it was Colossal Cave. I'm not sure which one it was. I was really tiny at the time. So we played that a little bit in the V200 or whatever the fuck it was, or 300. I don't know what we had. But then when I was a little older, uh, we played Dungeon mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck it was called at the mm-hmm. time. I think it's called... That just, was pre... Was it just Dungeon? I didn't play that one because that so, one... I only had Atari 800s at this point. Okay, yeah, you can't play it on that. Can't play it on that, so, and I didn't get into college till after those had kind of disappeared. So this will be interesting to go look at the history stuff because yeah, this is so old that like I can only remember the experience, but I don't remember what it was. But anyway, there was uh, the original Zorks when they were all together, when all the Zorks were one thing, and they ran on a mainframe, so it wasn't a big deal, right? You logged in and you could play this game. I believe it was just called Dungeon. And it was Zork 1, 2, and 3 all together, minus some bits, but mostly it was all of them together. And my dad and his friends at work, they used to, uh, like after they had solved it, they were going back and trying to optimize like how many moves they could solve it in. (laughs) And so there were these like printouts, these big printouts on the old printers that used to have the perforated edges with the the, the ones that were Mm -hmm. fed on a roller. And he used to bring them home, and he would like look through them and go like, "Oh, you know, they were t- they were well, they, they were speed running. They were transcript. They were speed running right. dungeon, yeah, right. old text adventures. And they would look through and they'd go like, okay, because because basically you could turn on this thing called transcript mode, right. um, on these old games. And I think they even if you use inform uh, if you use a Z machine interpreter today, you can turn on transcripts. And what it'll do is it dump out to the printer port everything you did so you could see the moves and that right. was basically how you saved a speed run ain't no twitch tv no. in 1978 right. or 1980 whenever this was so anyway after that game uh when they actually tried to commercialize that stuff and infocom became a real thing and they tried to ship titles you couldn't ship dungeon on personal computers they didn't have enough memory oh okay so what they did is they split up at least this is my understanding they split Dungeon up into three games, Zork 1, Zork 2, and Zork 3, and they added some stuff to sort of fill it out and make it three right. separate things. But they couldn't ship the whole thing as one. That was my understanding anyway. So my first experiences with games were right along those lines. And I, I think, I, like I said, it was like Dungeon wasn't the first one I played because I, I played Adventure. The one where you kill the dragon with your bare hands, I played that one, Right. Um, and so uh, I think that might have been Crowther Woods, but it might have not been. I don't okay. remember. I think it was called Adventure, or it could have been called Advent. I don't know. Fucking yeah. who cares? Doesn't matter. Point being, as time goes by, Sierra Online comes right. to be, right? And they uh, ship King's Quest. Now, they shipped some stuff before that. I can't remember what it was called. But I think King's Quest wasn't actually their first title. And again, this that it, that historian guy does a history yes. of them too. So yeah. that's the place to go for like the official record, probably. Mm-hmm. But King's Quest was the first one that I think went wide. And so uh, we had a PCAT clone because digital had started making those at the time. At my dad's office, there was one there. Right. And I saw King's Quest on that, and this was a huge fucking deal. Like. You'd never seen anything where you moved a character around like that. Like I'd never seen anything <laughs> yeah. like that on a home, on a computer or anything with adventure games. You know, right. there was a the Atari Twenty Six Hundred had come out, and so you could kind of play those shitty block things. But it was like this was like a scene. And the interesting thing about it too was that um, <clears throat> nowadays people I think probably forget this, but in those days the way that the graphics was encoded was like uh, it was sort of like you could think of it like postscript. So when you walked from one screen to another. You watched it fucking draw. Right, right. Right? Like, and yeah. do a bunch of procedural things like make this outline, flood fill, mm-hmm. put three dots here, yeah. and you watched the whole fucking thing draw. Yeah. So, going back in my head and imagining myself playing King's Quest, 
to today, it's like I would have thrown the fucking right. monitor over been my like, dad's it cubicle been like, and out the window. It would have been like the boat test because you're waiting absurd. for the whole thing to draw and you're like, God it's damn it. It's ridiculous. And nowadays I get mad when the PDF reader is right. slow, right? And this was like a fucking game you're supposed to be enjoying. Yeah. So I don't know why. But anyway, point being, this came out and that was like a big deal because that sort of started to push on Infocom's territory. Now they weren't the only game in yeah. town with these like sort of adventure games. And similarly, after uh, the like after Ron Gilbert, in fact, the person whose plane I flew back in, after he saw, I guess, what Sierra had been doing, he was like, "We can do." Because they're both up here. Uh, no, they oh, were, this wasn't at the time. Uh, well, uh, Lucas Arts has never been up here. Oh, okay. I thought you're. I thought you're. T- oh, okay. Right. I'm thinking. Right. I'm thinking. Ron Gilbert, he after he left Lucas Arts, right. he started a company called Humongous Entertainment, yeah, doing those sort of adventure games for kids, right. and that was up here. Now, why That's he moved up here, up. I guess I've never asked him. Yeah. But yeah, they moved up here for some reason, and he mm-hmm. took some of the people from Lucas Arts with him. One of the main guys who did like the 2D scum stuff, he came up here as well, and they did a, a kids company. Right. But that is totally yeah, separate yeah. from this history. Yeah. When when Ron Gilbert. Uh, LucasArts saw this. This is my understanding of the history. When he saw King's Quest, he was like, we can do a better job at this, right? Um, and I think he was t- talking at the time about the coding. Right. But it turned out that LucasArts also did a much better job just in general. They right. made better, like, I don't think adventure games are well-designed today. If you look back at the design, it's just bad. But at the time, LucasArts's design sense was way better than Sierra's. They made games that you couldn't die. Right. They made games that had like clear clickable verbs and stuff. They just they figured out what was and not important in the in that system. And they they did make an important step forward design wise right Right. there. So they did make a better uh, everything. And most of the LucasArts games are the ones that are beloved today. Like a lot of people don't clamor for a King's Quest remake, but everyone wants a remake of Secret of Monkey Island. Right. People always want they're always bugging him about that and so on. But anyway, ignoring all of that shit. So what happened is every single one of these, perhaps because of how Infocom did it, and they, I don't know. I mean, I really just don't. They all made VMs. Right. I don't know why that was the decision. It's a very strange decision when you think back about it, to go VM rather than just code base. Right. Because right. there's a big difference between shipping a VM and, ship, and just using a standard code base. If you're going to make a bunch of adventure clear, games, it like, makes sense to have a, a, a single code base, right. but a VM is a different decision. And, right? and to be clear, that, because this would be something somebody would say. Right. Um, at that time, my programming jobs were I would take games that they would write for like an Atari 800 that were very, very hardcore optimized to the yes. Atari 800 and move them to the Apple yes. or I'd move them to the P- – like right. moving them around. Yes. So there were already porting houses. There was very little re- – like porting one and, of these games compared to like the yeah. nonsense we had to do for like uh, way twitchier action games was – there. I mean, we had computers that had hardware sprites that you had to make the whole fucking thing work. Like, so the, so yeah. pe- you, and, and to be clear, these were entire games I'd be doing in six months for like 10 grand. Well, this so is, this yeah, was yeah, not right, expensive, expensive well, here's the to, thing. to, to, to okay. not go VM route. I, I suspect that the VM route, like many things, it sounds good on paper, but yeah. in practice it's actually not very yeah. good because... The thing that's the thing that you care about with VMs is binary compatibility. In other words, the goal of a VM system is so that you can take the same binary and run it in two different places. 
but they never used that. They always right. shipped a different physical SKU. So you bought a Mac version right. of the game or a PC version of the game. It wasn't like, hey, buy this set of binaries and run it on the Anywhere. VM that you already had installed from right. our previous game. So they were. that's the only thing a VM does. Otherwise, you just write it to your cross-platform right. layer. And all the stuff that you worked out for VMing, you just bind binary to, and now your game is faster for right. free, right? So there's nothing, there's, VM does nothing for you. So, I mean, it's probably a bad technical decision, but for whatever reason, that whole lineage from Infocom to Sierra to LucasArts, they all did VMs, and other people who followed in their footsteps all also did VMs. Like, I think Mike Magnetic Scrolls did VMs. I'm pretty sure Level 9 did VMs. I'm pretty sure everyone did VMs, and I have no idea why, but they did. And maybe someone so, from them, so we should means, ask them yeah. if it was a good so then, idea at the time or if it was still a good idea today. If they, What do they think about it? I right. don't know. I should ask Ron maybe sometime. It's a hard Tell me, was that, was that just because be you guys didn't know? Yeah. Because if you but, think about it back then, cross-platform layer probably wasn't even a term. Yeah. It could be that you just never thought of it, right? Yeah. Until someone shows you. In fact, one of my first programming jobs we did it cross-platform. That's the reason I know how well that right. works. But if you've never experienced that, you may just never think of it. It's totally valid that VM was the first thing you thought of, and it's better than not nothing, right? Right. So Anyway, so that's why the airplane games and these games are so terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And pulling back, yeah. the whole point of this whole digression... Yeah. Well, we should actually finish that thought. So the reason they're terrible is because usually what they did is instead of going, oh, this game needs a fight sequence or whatever the fuck, and we wanted that to be an action sequence, which, you know, right. that's a bad game design decision to begin with. Right. Mini-games, usually not a great design decision, but, hey, you know, I'm not really a game designer, so I'm going to criticize yeah. too strongly. Um, but instead of actually programming one of those a good one, what they would do is they'd script it, right? <laughs> so you'd script it in Scum or in Sierra's thing or whatever the fuck and of course now you're talking about a time yeah. i mean scripting today is janky websites today are fucking slow as fucking don't work at all right and they it's have kind of they have way more horsepower they did it. so yeah. back then yeah. you're talking about no there's no spare horsepower for scripting a fucking action game right. in a vm that isn't designed for it like that's not happening and they're just so, when they're tilting they're drawing a new graphic oh like, god yeah. there's, there's no, no 3D. 3d no drawing yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and they did add 3D later. Like, I'm pretty sure Grim Fandango yeah. had a 3D character. The backgrounds were still 2D. I don't know if anyone ever did a fully 3D interpreted VM one, but they probably did. I'm just not thinking of yeah. it. Like, someone, there's Space probably Bar? a 3D one. I don't, Spacebar was 2D. Oh, it was? Um, it was 3D rendered, but it was 2D. Someone probably did a 3D adventure title that still runs through an interpreter, but it doesn't matter. That's irrelevant to the point. Yeah. The point is simply that is why those things were so janky is because it was not a yeah. good time to be doing performance on a VM. Right. That was a bad idea. And fuck, but so, there was are... no just-in-time compiling. JITs no, were no. not a thing no, also no, here. So not... we're talking about actual interpreting virtual machines yeah. where they're looking at bit bytecode as it comes across. So. so the point is a real yeah. airplane is way jank less janky than that, though. So the and point so, is, Jeff now thinks he's going to buy an airplane. Well, I just think, like... Let's just start with you that. You just see him fly out every day, right, in the morning. It looks great. Why do you want that? Where are you going to go? I don't know. The other side of the lake? I'll pick you up and then fly you back. I'm not... If you do, If I'm not getting in a boat with you, except right now, <laughs> no, because, I'm not getting in a plane with you. No, because... It, and here's the other thing. I wouldn't get in a small plane, like I said. But it is a small plane. But no, that's not a seaplane, because if you crash, you just splash in. And you're just, you're wet. What is this fixation you have? So, in your in. mind... Yeah, the splash in. Pretty much in your mind, yeah. water is kind of like a magical crash pad that anyone who falls into it 
is just safe. Like, if well, stuff goes into the water, it's just it's just safe. They just it's like marshmallow fluffiness. No, it that just it would hurt, but you probably wouldn't die. You just you might get wet. Now you, you do know that, that many planes have crashed into the water and everyone's died. That's well, happened. Sometimes right? it happens, but I'm just saying if I land it good, and what then if just you can't land in, it good? Well. You know, sometimes that can happen, but most so of the what's time, your story? most what of the is time your... I would just land here and then park at the dock. Most then, of the time, but what yeah. about the time when you crash the plane? Like you said, what well, happens probably, then? Well, I won't crash the plane. I'll be really careful. Okay, so it's yeah. carefulness is the problem. Yeah. The reason that planes crash is because the people weren't careful. Yeah, that's they're the just, thing. They're just being silly. Now but... you do know you have to get a pilot's license to fly a plane. Yeah, right? that's kind of the problem, and I don't think you can take that online. And you also know that like you, there's a high John Denver, John F. Kennedy Jr. situation that can happen there, right? Yeah, but like John Denver was totally weeded out. Like, he, you think he was? Wa- you think he was wasted? He was you think way he was, wasted. You think he was baked? Uh, no, I think he was drunk. He's, oh, drunk. So yeah. he wasn't weeded out. Yeah, he was. He was on the and, sauce. And all. And what, what's his name? Flew into a storm. John F. Kennedy Jr.? Yeah. I mean, like, today... But that's the kind of shit just, you would do. You just fly that's away the kind of shit you right would now. Do. Like, look that's at this. That's not how it works. You just fly away. No, you don't so fly easy. away. Is right that... here. It'd be perfect. Look at this weather. We're okay, just... so just so we're clear on this, yeah. a storm is not like this, like a UFO that, like, flies around, and you, like, see it over there, and, and then you, you fly, away, fly from away from it. It doesn't really work away. that way. Get that's away. not how it works. Get away. Well, no, I'd land it. So here's the thing. Maybe this will help scare you enough not to buy a plane in the way that the propeller strike yeah. scared you. So planes in them have a device, and I do not remember the name okay. for this device, but what this device is is it's the best thing that people have figured out so far for trying to detect polarity imbalances in the atmosphere, okay. meaning places where positive and negative charges build up yeah. against each other. I'm getting bored in this story right? already. This is not going to okay. scare me. You All follow right. me so yeah, far? Yeah, I'm following you. So you may ask yourself, why is this standard equipment in the dashboard of a plane? And the answer is because if you accidentally fly into an area that has this heavy electron imbalance in it, it just rips your plane in half. Just period. Well, what, what it the- just shreds the plane and you're dead. Well, like but, immediately. Well, but it, I got a thing. No, it, it's but, like they no, don't I understand, even. But I got you got a thing on the dashboard that tells you when that's going to happen. No, so it sometimes tells you. It, it you... sometimes helps you no, deter- you, detect you, this. You just happening. told me that like some this horrible thing is completely solved. That doesn't scare me. I have not said anything of the sort. I said that sometimes this helps you detect them. Here's what I think. So if we get the plane and yes. we put it under here with the boat, yes. right? We just park it over. Yes. on that or over there. Okay. Then we could have an airplane podcast too. Like we could do the podcast. Okay. In there. Yeah. Yes, we could. But that what? I mean, you're still going to fly this plane, even if all if it's no. It's so be used here's the, the thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the plane's not going to happen just because I know you have to take pilot lessons and there's a no, lot of them actually. You don't. Have, there's no getting out of that shit. No, there isn't. Even though it's just it's a splash situation. I don't know. Maybe there's a seaplane. I don't exemption. think there's an exemption for seaplanes. They no. should because it's splash. In fact, situation. nowadays it's probably way harder given the whole World Trade Center situation. I imagine oh, there's probably stuff in the past that's like, check? do you swear you're not a terrorist or some shit, right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea, but I feel like you're going to go through a whole situation I feel there. like if you flew a seaplane in the World Trade Center, you probably maybe killed a broker who was too close <laughs> to the edge, but that's it. No, yeah, you, it's true. It's just I like, mean, but still, I feel like probably, planes are, are a you know, sensitive like when, subject. Now. You know like when a plane, <laughs> when a bird hits a glass and it just glances off? Of yeah, it, yeah, that, yeah. I'd hit it. And then I'd be like, oh, shit. And then I, my bad. No, because that would not like, happen. I feel like if you hit it with a seaplane, you would be dead. But you're right. The building would just have some broken glass. <laughs> right. Yes. 
But uh, that's probably not going to happen. Jet fuel, is, jet fuel is really the problem day. with maybe buildings. I'll, maybe yeah. I'll just find out who it is and see if they'll give me a ride and see what the sitch is. They're That'd so be fucking janky, too. I'm sure they're, they're janky, so but janky. the splash situation. Ugh. All right. Well, we should t- tie this up because I think we, we did get one phone call. Um, All right. So we're going to wrap this up. Okay. I hope that you've learned something today. Yes. And I hope that that thing is that Jeff should never drive a boat or a plane. No. But if that was not what you learned, maybe we inspired you to go read about the history of adventure yes. gaming on a historical website, which we will try it to provide It sounds a link actually, to. just to be clear, that sounds, might be something that sounds boring. Even if you're not into video games, it's not boring. It's very well it written. It is not boring. And yeah. there's lots of human stories of like, this guy yes. went here and then he had a nervous breakdown, but yeah. he pulled it together and like, yeah. they, he's a good writer. As yeah, you, and I, they're really, and there's really so good. so much intrigue there and too I, with the It kills me that I can't remember his name. His name. Well, yeah, uh, we will try to put, when I post this, I'll see if I can put the link to yeah. his site and all of his materials maybe on the podcast and then have thing. a weekend and, and because yeah go, you know, it's a deep go in there and get get lost in there it's you'll learn tons of fun stuff and uh it's great especially too if you're someone like me who grew up with some of this stuff but you were really young at the time so like i didn't know yeah. a lot of the backstory and then later on in life you hear some of it but it's not all in one place yeah. and you kind of get this it's is a great just, place to kind of go relive it and yeah. and there's a, a, a way more detail even people that i know like steve moretzky and stuff like this they show up yeah. And it's great. You Weird, like, read like, about how it. How did they and know stuff. them? And yeah, like I cool. never knew what the point. What what um, a mind forever voyaging. I never knew like where that came from or anything. That's and awesome. that was Steve's second game right. there. And I, it, it just, I really would say you should check, check it out um, because it's. Uh, and we'll put the link up. It's a lot of fun. If you have a link for us, though, you can email us. You can email us at podcast at, at jeffandcaseyshow dot com, and we will check it out, and we will try to do it justice here. On a boat yes. or in an office, depending on yes, where we are. True. We'll at the probably time. just do one here and then it's to the new podcast studios. We five. may have an, yet another podcast yeah. studio. We'll see. We'll keep you posted. That's right. Take care, everyone, right, and thanks, we everybody. will see you next week. See you next time.